We're glad that you are with us here this morning. And uh, we thought about um, releasing a couple of bees in here just to make you feel at home and comfortable. And uh, we, we know how much you all enjoyed uh, those bees outside. And um, now you all are eating snacks and drinking things and nothing's bothering you. And uh, so we're, we're just glad to be inside this morning here. And uh, Pastor did not intentionally plan to be gone on the first day back in the building. Uh, he has been here with us, uh, hasn't missed a Sunday since uh, we started this COVID thing, and uh, he had had a uh, meeting scheduled for over a year that he was going to, and uh, so he felt obligated to keep that. Uh, but on Monday of this week, he started not feeling well. And uh, through this entire week, he has just not been feeling normal, and um, he's been running a fever and some other symptoms. And uh, so he has been tested yesterday for COVID. And so we don't know anything, uh, but we would ask you to pray uh, that uh, pastor's health would return to him and uh, that uh, his family and uh, all those uh, that his life touches uh, would uh, be able to rejoice once again him being back here with us. So uh, there's, he told me last night, he said, don't, don't, there's no need to be concerned, he said, but uh, just pray. And so if you will do that uh, for him, and uh, we, I know he would appreciate that, I know his family would appreciate that. And uh, so uh, either way, he was going to be gone this week. Uh, just now he just gets to sit at home and watch online like uh, we have done for so many weeks. So it's uh, just reverse roles. And uh, so just, just pray for him this week. This morning, we're going to look at a question. You know how sometimes people have questions that they propose to you and, and questions that they make, and sometimes you wonder what they mean by that question, and sometimes you infer something that wasn't implied or somebody infers something you didn't imply in a question. But this morning, we're going to look at a question. So if you would take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter number 19, we are going to begin by looking at this question. And this question is something that I believe is so important for us this morning in this place at this time. Now, oftentimes we hear scripture and we know that that applies to our life and we, we believe that that is a truth that we can apply to our hearts. And so we thank God that he has spoken to us. And this morning, that is my hope and my desire, is that this question becomes that which takes us from this point today and launches us forward into what God's plan is for us as a church. If you will read with me in 1 Kings chapter number 19, we're going to start in verse number 9. 1 Kings 19, starting in verse number 9, it says, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Now, this passage, uh, we jumped right into the middle of the life of Elijah. 
and this passage is at the end of life of Elijah's victorious uh, challenges that he has made for God, the stand that he has made for God. And he is now in a cave and God says to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, to help you understand what this question is like, I have an illustration for you. A couple of weeks ago, there is a dear family, dear friends of our family in this church that asked us a question. Now, for those of you who don't know uh, us, my wife, and our family well, uh, we have three children. All three of our children are in college. So for my wife and I, we have just started this year our empty nest syndrome. And for those of you who are empty nesters, you may enjoy it. And there may be some of you who are empty nesters that you hate it. We are in that middle of there are times we really enjoy it. And there are times we're like, what do we do? There's, I don't know what to do. What do we do? Let's go. Let's drive 10 hours to see our kids. Um, and so we, we are trying to figure this and navigate this system out. But we have the joy, my wife and I have the joy of working with a group of people within our church. And if you are within this group, we would love to have you be part of our group, and that is young couples. And in our young couples, we have a, a young couples life group called Hitched. And uh, we thoroughly enjoy being with that group. And every Sunday at 11 o'clock, starting next week, we will be there. That is a shameless plug for Hitched. But one of the young couples in that group realized that we have a house that is empty. They were going away for just 24 hours and they called us and they said, hey, or actually it was a text, hey, would you mind watching our kids? Now, young couples have young kids. Old couples have old kids. This young couple has four kids the first thing that went through our minds was, no! Why would we do that to ourselves? And then the text came that it's not all four, it's just two. So we thought, surely we can do two kids. Four and two. Yeah. So we had these two beautiful little girls come over to our house, and we were ready. Like, we got all the toys in our house available. We had, like, couch pillows that they could play with. We had floor mats that they could play with, doll tongs that they could play with. Like, you know, our kids are all in college. We don't have little kid toys. So we're trying to grab everything that we can that we could think of that they might even be interested in playing with and had them all piled up ready for these kids to play. We gave them breakfast. We took them to the park. We played with all the toys, hide and seek, every game we could, and it was only noon. And I'm like, Lord, please, we need more ideas of what to do with these kids. So we went to a park, and we played on a playground, and they were done. And I said, no, you're not. Let's go play some more. We're done. Let's go eat. We ate. They want to go. I said, no, let's go for a hike. We don't want to hike. Let's play a game. We'll play the game. And after about six hours at the park, they were done and I was done. We took them home. They were exhausted. We put them in the car and within two minutes of being in the car, they were asleep. And I look at my gas gauge 
and I only had a quarter tank of gas. And I'm like, honey, what do we do? We just keep driving, right? They're asleep in the car. We don't stop and wake them up. We just keep driving. And she said, as long as we can. So we drove and drove and drove. I even stopped, filled up with gas, and we drove some more. They woke up. They were happy. We got ice cream. They were exhausted by the end of the night. We were exhausted by the end of the night. Put them down. They went to sleep. We went to sleep. And remember, I'm talking about what are you doing here? There is no fear that can equate waking up from a dead, cold sleep to the face of a four-year-old six inches from your head that is not your own. That feeling like there is somebody in the room that should not be. I open my eyes, and there's this four-year-old girl standing right in front of my face. And I'm like, what are you doing here? She said, I'm scared. I said, so am I. <laughs> you don't know how scared I am right now. A four-year-old that should not be in my house is in my house, six inches from my head. I'm scared. What are you doing here? God said to Elijah in this cave, what are you doing here? You see, if we go back and we look at chapter 17 and chapter 18 of, of 1 Kings, you will see that Elijah and God were an amazing team. I'm not talking about just wonderful things. I'm talking about amazing. I'm talking about quarter in the cart at Aldi's amazing. Like it was an amazing team. When God and Elijah were working in chapter 17 and chapter 18, people were raised from the dead. Fire fell from heaven. And God and Elijah were doing awesome things. And all of a sudden, in chapter 19, we see that one lady said one thing to Elijah. He fled for his life. He's now standing in a cave. And God says to Elijah, what? Are you doing here? In verse number 10, we see Elijah's response. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenants, throw down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, we might look at this statement, and we might say, Elijah, I understand what you're saying. And I, too, would be in that same place where I see why you are standing in this cave saying, God, I am just afraid. But look back at chapter number 18. Look at verse number 22. And I want you to see this phrase because it's exactly what Elijah just said. But in chapter 18, Elijah is not afraid. In verse number 22, he says, Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Elijah, in chapter 18, was not afraid to be the only one standing for God. 
In chapter 18, Elijah was not afraid to be the one that stood around an altar by himself and said to God, God, would you prove that you are the God of gods? God, would you send down fire from heaven and devour this animal from this altar? And God did not just send down fire and devour the animal on that altar. God sent down fire and it devoured the animal and it devoured the wood and it devoured the rocks and it devoured the water around it. And everybody stood up, including Elijah, and said, there is one God and that God is Jehovah. And Elijah was not afraid at that point to stand up and say, God, I am the only one left. But in chapter 19, after one woman said one thing to him, he ran to the cave to hide. And God said to Elijah, what are you doing here? You see, Elijah thought that God was going to work in a certain way. You see, Elijah thought that after God used him to do all of these things, that revival was going to come to Israel. Look at chapter number 17 of 1 Kings. You see Ahab, I'm sorry, chapter number 16 and verse number 33. You see Ahab, the king that was ruling over Israel at this time, and Ahab, verse number 33 of chapter 16, and Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. You see, Ahab was a wicked king, and he married an idolatrous woman, and they had brought evil into Israel. And God used Elijah to stand for truth, to stand for right. And Elijah had seen all of these things happen. Elijah had prayed for revival in Israel. Elijah said, God, I will be used by you if you will allow me. God used Elijah to do great things. And at the end of chapter 18, we see Elijah had just slaughtered the 450 prophets of Baal. He ran with the chariot that Ahab was driving to the city, to the queen, to tell the queen that this thing was over. And Ahab went in, and Ahab got scared of Jezebel. And Jezebel threatened Elijah, and Elijah ran to the cave, saying, God, I'm doing this all by myself. Look at verse number 11. And he said, God said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great And strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Elijah, God said, go stand on the mountain. 
and God passed by. And this mountain was not just a random mountain. This was Mount Horeb. If you go back to Exodus, you will see that Moses stood on this same mountain. And it says that God passed by Moses. You see, God was not unfamiliar with this mountain. And Israel was not unfamiliar with this mountain. God had done wondrous things on Mount Horeb. And Elijah, he went and he stood on the outside of that cave and the wind passed by and the wind came and it shook. If you've never been in a storm of wind, a tornado, a hurricane, that those winds are blowing fierce. My friend, wind can do major damage. And Elijah stood there, and that wind wreaked havoc upon those mountains, and rocks fell. And Elijah stood in the awe and the wonder of the power of God. But it says that God was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, and the mountain shook. And Elijah stood there and he felt the awesomeness of what God was doing. But it says God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. And that fire, we see pictures today of the fires that are going through the West Coast. And we see the awesomeness and the wonder of what is going on. And you can just imagine as Elijah is standing there in that cave, that the fires that are swirling about him. And he stands there and he thinks, God, you are awesome. But God was not in the fire. You see, Elijah was trying to identify with what God was doing, with what was in his own heart. Elijah's heart beat wildly as he thought, yes, God, this is what we need to see happen. This is what we need to see done. This is what we need to see to change our world. But none of those things spoke to the innermost needs and the heart of Elijah. Today, our world is literally on fire. And we are praying for God to bring revival. We're saying, God, would you do something miraculous to get the attention of the people of this world? And for eight, seven months... God has been saying, have I got your attention yet? But is God in those fires that are burning our nation? Is God in the disease that is infecting our world? And Elijah stood there and all of those things drew his attention to God, but God was not in those things. If you look at verse number 12, and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. 
I have been studying this passage, and every time I get to this part, it grips me. Because, my friend, today, it is not the earthquakes that we need. It is not the fires that we need. It is not COVID that we need. It is that still, small voice that causes us, if you look at verse number, verse number 12, uh, 13, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entering of the cave. My friend, today we don't need earthquakes and fires. We need people of God who will hear the voice of God. And it will awe them so much that they wrap their face and they just listen for God to speak. See that still small voice I thought of years ago when my daughter was my daughter Juliana was little. She was probably three or four. She was our first one. and We had her shopping. And we were at a sale. At a, I don't even remember what department store it was, but we were at a sale, and they had all these racks, those circular racks that were just filled with clothes. And we went, to, we went to the store, and my wife was looking, and I was looking, and we were pushing the stroller, and Juliana wanted to get out, so she got out. And I was looking, and my wife was looking, and all of a sudden we realized that Juliana was gone. And that fear that fills your heart when your child disappears, if you've never had that, praise the Lord. But if you have, you know what I'm talking about. And we began to look and scour that store, and we could not find her. That store was connected to the mall, and so we began to look out into the mall, and we could not find her. We contacted security. Security was looking with us, trying to find our daughter. I mean, it was, we were panicking at this point. And I said, let's just, to my wife, let's just go back to where we lost her. And let's start there. So we went back to that spot where we lost her. And I said, be quiet and just listen. And quietly, we heard this little voice singing. And I got down on my hands and my knees, and I'm following this voice Juliana had crawled up in the middle of one of those round racks and was sitting on the crossbars, playing and singing. But I found her because I went back to where I lost her and I got real quiet. Today, church, I want to ask you a question. Why are you here? Why are you here in this place right now? Well, it's Sunday. It's 930. That's the time I go to church. Is that the only reason you're here? 
because it's Sunday, it's 9.30, and that's when I go to church? Or are you here because for the last nine months, the wind has blown, the earthquake has shaken, and the fires have burned, and God is drawing us to him, and God wants to speak to you. This last Wednesday, God spoke in this place. Over in Building B, our, our youth group meets. And this last Wednesday, we had about 80 students over there, and a clear gospel presentation was given. One young man raised his hand and said, I want to be saved. A father called me this week and said, I just wanted to let you know what my son said about Wednesday night. Those are always a little unnerving. But I called him back and he said, I want you to know that my son came home and he said, Dad, tonight I got saved. Two young people received Christ as their Savior because they were quiet enough to hear the still, small voice of God. This morning, I want to ask you, what are you doing here? Are you upset that God has not worked in our world, in your life, like you thought he should? Are you upset that God has not done what you think he should do? And so you're just upset with God. My life has not turned out like I wanted. My children have not turned out like I wanted. My job has not turned out like I wanted. This world is not turning after you, God. I'm just done. And you're running to your cave. This morning, what are you doing here? This morning, are you looking for the miraculous instead of that still, small voice? God, would you do something major and change our country? God, would you do something major and change what we're going to stand out on the sidewalks for this afternoon? Abortion. Would you change abortion in our country? God, would you do something major and change it? And God said, I'm trying to. But you're not listening to me. Because I'm not in all of that. I'm in the still, small voice, and you have to be quiet. This morning, are you ready to inspire others to live a courageous life for God? I want you to look at the last verse we'll look at this morning in verse number 18 of chapter 19. God said, Elijah, you are not alone in verse 18, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. 
Elijah, you don't understand that while you are doing this major work and you are standing up to the 450 prophets, and when you are doing these things, standing up against Jezebel, there are 7,000 men in hiding that I have kept for myself that are looking at you saying, go, Elijah, go, Elijah, go, Elijah. And when you give up, Elijah, those men have nobody to follow. And church, can I tell you this morning that when we stop being the church, when we stop doing what God has called us to do, those that are coming behind us have nobody to look to to say, I can keep on keeping on. This morning, I want to ask you, what are you doing here? Are you just here because it's Sunday morning and we're back in the building so I get to be back in my spot except they move my seat so I don't know where I'm supposed to sit now? Are you here simply because this is what you've always done? This morning I want to ask you, will you stop and will you listen for that still small voice that causes you to wrap your face and be in awe of a God who wants to use you.